Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuckery show. Halfway home on this Wednesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 the game. I'm at JMCH316. He is at DD Lewis for real on our personal Twitter pages. So Braves sweep their doubleheader today and uh now start a four-game series coming up tomorrow against the Colorado Rockies. 29 and 40 on the season. They're 13 games out of first place. They're 13 and 21 on the road with a minus 67 run differential. That's the worst in the National League. Now, give them credit. They've won three in a row, but they have the worst run differential in the National League, even with all of that. And they beat the Red Sox um, in a two-game set, and uh, they got them right now. So the, they, they beat the Padres in the finale of a, of a three-game set where they had lost two out of three, and then they've won two against the Red Sox, who are not very good either. And uh, right now, I don't know what the score of that game is, but they're but they're looking to try to take four uh, in a row. Uh, Red Sox are in last place, 14 games out of first place. They're a negative run differential team as well in three and seven in their last ten. But this should be a series that the Atlanta Braves take at least three out of four in. And look, right now the division is starting to get out of hand just like we projected. Now the Marlins are kind of hanging tough at five games back. But right now it's a five-game lead for the Braves over the Marlins, an eight-and-a-half game lead for over the Phillies, and now it's ten-and-a-half over the New York Mets. And by the way, the Mets in their last ten, one and nine in their last 10. And what was it? Um, uh, Sal uh, Lipscomb, you know, or whatever. Sal Lip, uh, Lipschiz, okay. you know, he uh, he was on with uh, Dukes and Bell, right? Yeah. And, yeah, uh, you know, again, uh, this Mets team is not very good. No. They're, they're not, not very good. They're not. And they're 31 and 36, and I don't care how much money, I don't care how many gazillions of dollars they've spent they're not very good. Yeah, and they're playing the Yankees now. Yeah, yeah, they got they got the Subway Series, so uh, they're playing the Yankees right now. Philadelphia's not been very good either. Expected a lot more out of this division, but what we talk about day day a couple few weeks ago, that yeah, with the Braves' a, yeah. schedule, this was a chance was a time. Yep. to when they played the Mets and they play Philadelphia, it was a chance to knock them out head to head and open up a lead in this division that probably will be too much at the end of the day. Look, by the time we get to July 1st, this could be 10 or 12 games over Philadelphia, 15 games over the Mets. And I can tell you, we head to July, ain't nothing about the Phillies and Mets if they're down a dozen games that they're coming back against the Braves. 
not against this team. And, and this could be a co- and this is why this is why you you take advantage of the opportunity that's given to you when you play bad teams. I don't care if you don't have Freed and Wright and you know Ian Anderson's gone for the I don't care if you have that. You have to beat those teams. Because if you do, if you start piling up wins against those teams, trust me, you're going to beat the Mets and Phillies. You're in their head now. You know, head-to-head, the Mets just are no match for for the Atlanta Braves. There's no match for them. And so you end up opening up this division lead where you've got a lot of star power, but still, you know, you're, you're, you're not having to you're not having to, in a lot of ways, um, you know, not not a lot of ways, you're not having to um, try to catch up or anything like that. You play out front, and obviously, you know, again, without Freed, without Wright, you're going to get those guys back at some point. But you don't have to rush them. You don't have to feel like you're trying to rush anybody to get them back because you need them, right? You need them to be healthy and this, that, and the other. It doesn't have to be that way. You you get out to a, a 12, 15 game lead in the division, you're in great shape. And that's right now where the Braves are headed. You know, again, 10 and a half over the Mets, eight and a half over Philadelphia. Every time you look at the standings, it, that, that thing grows a little bit. Maybe not in leaps and bounds, but again, it's growing pretty quickly. And there's nothing about the Mets and Phillies that tell you that they can that they can hang with the Atlanta Braves. They haven't been able to do it you know, in the last five years. I would expect them to do it now. So I'm not going to go, you know, what's his name? Sal, you know, Lip. Lakata. Oh, okay. What is it? Sal Lip. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to go that hot takey or whatever like that. But this thing really could start to get out of hand, you know, for the Mets and Phillies. That this division could, they could be looking up very quickly. Look, the Marlins are not going to win the division. I don't I don't care what they're doing, you know, right now. And they're a good story, right? And and there are a lot of teams in the National League that are well, a lot of teams across baseball that that are, you know, these teams that are looking at playoff bids. The Marlins, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates are the division leader, the Baltimore Orioles, right? And there's a lot of these teams that are playoff mode teams that are non traditional, you know, teams that we've seen for the last few years. It's not not the Yankees and Red Sox and the uh, Guardians and the Astros and stuff like that. You know, it's the Baltimore Orioles. It's the Texas Rangers. It's the Miami Marlins. It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's the it's the Arizona Diamondbacks. We have a three-game lead over the L.A. Dodgers right now. They're up by three games over the L.A. Dodgers. And this isn't Steve Finley and Luis Gonzalez and Tony Womack and you know, that group of guys from 2001, you know, Johnson and Schilling, it ain't that group of guys. No, no, this is this is a different scenario. So this is a chance to really put the foot on the neck of the Phillies and Mets and really just crush their dreams and aspirations. And I still wonder if I still wonder if they will roll with all of these guys for the entire year. If they will, if if they will roll with the Phillies and the Mets payroll structure, if they will not try to look at dumping anybody, because again, you spend all that money, you expect some kind of result for it, right? 
You expect something out of all of it. You know, it may not even be a division title, but right now the New York Mets are nowhere even close to the playoff picture. They're, I mean, they're I mean, and again, they're they're not they're not twenty games out of the out of the you know playoff lead, but still, again, they're not one of the playoff teams right now. It's not like the not like last year where the you know Braves and Mets tied for the division and the Mets played really well. It wasn't even a matter of the Mets collapsed or anything like that. The Braves just played so well. They played out of their mind. Mets did play well. Mets played well enough, you know, and they tied for the division lead. But that ain't happening this year. And it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. So I wonder if the Mets and Phillies hang on to the guys that they have. If if they really truly ride this thing out for an entire year and then look to do something in the offseason. By then it's too late though. And, and I'm sure there'll be buyers. I mean, I'm sure the Mets and Phillies will be buyers at the at the trade deadline. I mean, what's a few million dollars more of payroll, right? What's a what's several million dollars more of payroll if you know if you're this bad already, maybe you can be a little bit better. I mean, I, I don't expect a whole lot out of uh, these teams. But, you know, the Braves are in such peak prime position. And, look, I, I think the Braves are the class of the National League. Like, this is, this is shaping up to be a year. And it's not like the Dodgers are bad. The Dodgers are 38 and 29. It's just that the Arizona Diamondbacks have been ridiculously good. They've been ridiculously good at 41 and 26. Think about that. The Arizona Diamondbacks, were a, a, weren't they a 100-loss team? couple of years ago and, and they're now 41 and 26 right. on the season I mean they were one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball just a couple of years ago now they're one of the best teams in Major League Baseball and they lost yesterday they got crushed yesterday by the Phillies but they'd won six straight games before that and what they were six and uh two four six they were 12 and two in their last 14 games before that loss yesterday. 12 and two in their last four. Heck, even with that loss, they're 12 and three in their last 15. That's getting it done. It's getting it done, and that's why they have a three-game lead over the Dodgers. Now we talked to our buddy Bob Nightingale, and he lives in Phoenix, you know, and he covers them pretty regularly. You know, again, they may not be able to hold that up, but still, three and a half game lead over the Dodgers at this point of the year. You know, when we're in mid June is certainly surprising. But this is going to be the you know we we talk, and we we mentioned this last night to um Chris Willis that you know in golf, you know and we're going to talk to Will Gray coming up tomorrow for the US Open, but in golf Saturday's called moving day, right? That's that's moving day. Like that's the day you move up and down in the standings and stuff like that. June is moving day for the Braves. That's moving month for the Braves. This is a chance to really expand the lead put your foot on their neck, and and potentially crush them. And again, I know you can't win the division in June, but you can make life miserable. You know, you get, you get to July, you can really make the life miserable of your division foes because you've got such a big lead. And look, the Marlins are playing with house money, right? Like they have nothing to lose in all of this. They, they've got nothing to lose for all of it, right? They've moved on from... You know, the Don Mattingly, you know, Mattingly retiring and all that good kind of stuff. And, you know, now they've got their new manager in place and all that kind of stuff. Skip Schumacher, you know, former Cardinals second baseman, right? When he from the, when he, didn't he play for the Cardinals, second base for the Cardinals or something like that? And they're getting some good contributions from some of their guys. I mean, Jorge Soler has got 19 homers on the year and, you know, he's mashing the ball all over the place. Uh, 19 homers, 39 RBI. 
Um, Brian De La Cruz has had a really good year for them. So, um, you know, Chisholm's been on the IL. So, you know, he's not done a whole lot for them. He's a really good player. But, you know, they're just kind of getting it done with all these kind of vagabonds, right? I mean, that that's what they have right now is just a whole bunch of vagabonds that are on that. And even Alcantara, I mean, you think about the reigning Cy Young champion, right? What was he? Was he he was unanimous last year, I believe. He finished in the top ten in the ERA. Again, he's two and five this season. He only lost nine games. I mean, all things considered, he only lost nine games last year. He's already two he's two and five. His ERA has doubled, doubled from two twenty eight to four seventy five. He's doubled his ERA. So he's not pitched really well, and they're still kind of hanging tough in second place. And hanging on to, you know, potential playoff spot when all is said and done. So it tells you just kind of how wacky the, you know, NL East has been outside of, you know, we expected all of this out of the Atlanta Braves. So, again, uh, good uh, good couple of victories for the Braves, albeit, you know, listen, they um, didn't play their best baseball and they gave up a lot of runs. Their pitching wasn't all that good, but, you know, they come up with 16 runs over the two games and uh, find a way to win the two and now – Take on the Colorado Rockies, who are the uh, uh, 13 games out of out of first place in the um, in the in the West, and they have the third uh, fewest wins in the National League and a the worst run differential in the National League as well. All right, when we get back, it'll be time for that's life. Who saw this rivalry coming? Plus. I'm going to shock Day-Day with Bill Murray's new girlfriend. It's all next. Chuck in the Key Studios. Sports Radio, not to the game. Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at it. John Chuckery Show. 921, live from the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers. No, sorry, sorry. 404-726-0929. See, I've done this for over a decade. Say you've been now. rolling, man. Yeah, you yeah. have been rolling. Yeah, 404-726-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Um, Day Day, have you kept up with this? This is funny and fascinating. Have you kept up with this Twitter beef between Anita Baker and Babyface? Yeah, so she basically kicked him off her tour. Yes. And uh, now the Babyface, well, it stemmed from Babyface fans, you know, saying some stuff negative t- towards her. So, Well, yeah. I guess the issue has been... He's taking too long in his opening set, right? Yeah, and and it's del- and she's not getting on stage until late, right? And you know she's some people are saying that she's not fulfilling she's not fulfill for, she's not fulfilling her contract obligation to play as long, right? And she's she's basically blaming. Babyface because he's taking too long on stage to do his opening set, yeah, or his opening act or whatever. I mean, just right you know, as he, he opens for her. Yes, right. he's the opener for her. Yeah, and he's taking too long, and mm-hmm. it's shortening her time. And she says that, hey, I'm only contractually obligated to play this much time or whatever like that. And, yeah. and you know, she's by the way, she's notorious for being late to her concerts. Yeah, like she's notorious. For being on, for not coming out on stage until late. Yep, and not only that, she years ago, I don't know if you remember, her and Luther when they were touring yes. together, beefed, and so she put Luther off of, off of that tour. Now that wasn't Twitter because that, no, I mean, that was yeah, pretty yeah, Twitter, yeah, that, but but yes, I I do remember that. Yeah. But this this is funny because it's all coming in Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, it's all coming through Twitter. And they're going back and forth with one another. But but the funny thing is, too, she's she's also feuding with all the babyface fans. The fans, yep. Right? Yep. So, I mean, you know, look, Beyonce's got her army of people, right? The, the yeah, killer bees the, or whatever the, they are. The, the beehive, you know, right? yeah. And, yeah, the beehive or whatever they are, <laughs> the, the, the killer bees. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, these, these. Taylor's got the Swifties. Swifties, right. So, I mean, yeah. everybody's got their group. But it's funny because. There's a dedicated babyface fan group that's out there, and 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 they're and they're causing all kinds of trouble with it, and and she's just she's getting right in the middle of it, yeah. and it's funny because how old is Anita Baker? She's got to be, be her, like late sixties. Yeah, I was gonna say she's got to be in her late sixties. Right? Let me let me look at that real quick. Let me let me see how old um, she is. Anita Baker, um, sixty four. 65. 65. Yeah. Okay. By the way, she's from Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. I, um, I thought she was from Michigan. From Toledo. Born born in Toledo, Ohio. She may have okay. she may have uh found her way up to Michigan. Yeah, maybe not. I don't I I, I know Midwest, but for some reason I thought it was now, Michigan. Is this her fourth final tour that she's This is the, supposed to be the final right, tour, right. yes. That, that, and that's what she said four tours ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Um and I I should have gone to that concert. I, I should have like, gone to that that concert. I 
I, 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 Anita Baker would be somebody I would really want to see live in concert, even if it's just a smaller show, like a smaller venue. But yeah, it's just funny because like she is, they're they are going back and forth, and she's kicked them off the tour and just, um, and, and she's been abused, and she claims that it's been abuse from his fans. From his fans, yep. yeah. Yeah, because it's not babyface. No, no, it's the fans that right. have been attacking right. her. Right. So she's like, uh, "Yo, right. yeah, I gotta go." Right. She she's blaming babyface for the actions, and it's her. It's the babyface fans that she's getting into all of these twi- Twitter beasts with. So it's very funny. It, it's a funny story to keep up with. So, um, and and you know, again, babyface just sitting back like, "What what did I do?" Like what? 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 What did? What did I do in in all this kind of stuff? But anyway, um, have you seen who Bill Murray's newest girlfriend is? Yeah, uh, what's the girl's name? Um, there, they, it wasn't. They neither of them, neither one of them were were confirming it at first. But she seems to be the one that's doing the confirming now. It's Keyless. Yes, Kalise. Kalise. Yes, yes. So yes. she's the girl that did the milkshake. Milkshake. Song, right? She's Nas. Her and Nas were they married or were they just dating? I they have they a were, child I, together. I, I know they have a kid together. Yeah. I thought they were married. I feel at like one they point. were married. Yeah. yeah. Um. And when did that relationship go south? Ooh, that was. That was in the was that like early two thousands maybe when they oh, were wow. okay. yeah that was like a late nineties yeah, early two thousands relationship I think that they were married um, at some point but um, Kalise is dating Bill Murray yeah she's the one that's kind of confirming he hasn't said anything well there there are pictures that are floating around of the two of them right that 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 there's there there are pictures of the two of them that are together. Now, she's 43. Mm-hmm. He's 72. So what do you think about that? It's not uh, drastic. It's not as bad as uh, what's our guys with these having these oh, babies? Uh, yeah, Robert, Robber De Niro De Niro and and, Al Pacino. You know, 80, I mean, 80 <laughs> years old and they're dating 29-year-olds. Yeah, it's not nowhere yeah, near as bad. Yeah, and, and again, Al Pacino made the, made the girl take a paternity test <laughs> right. to see if it was really yeah, his or not. And, and at least at 43, Khaleesi's lived life. Oh, like, yeah, she has. She, her and yeah, Bill can yeah. have decent conversations. Right, right. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's that's such an odd pairing. Yeah. I mean, and again, listen, I always say this. You fall in love with who you yeah. fall in love with, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you, you, yeah. you get partnered up with, with people in your life that, you know, may be odd or things like that. But it kind of is what it is. But, again, uh, good for Bill Murray and good for Khalees. I mean, good. Yeah, listen, if, he, if those kids are happy, then right. I'm happy for them as well. All right. Uh, happy Flag Day today, by the way. Uh, it is Flag Day. I think all the government places were shut down, right? Weren't uh, – Weren't all the government offices, I think, shut down for today? They could have been. I I don't have any reason to go near a government office these days. Well, again, (laughs) I've heard some rumors about you. But anyway, um, uh, today is National Bourbon Day. So um, in honor of National Bourbon Day, we broaden this out just a little bit. Your top ten favorite brown liquor drinks. Day Day, the floor is yours. All right, so I've... I don't do a lot of different brown liquors, so most of mine are all rum-based. Okay. Um, but uh, just the traditional rum and Coke, that was kind of one of my first mm-hmm. strong liquor drinks. And, and, and by the way, you can do brands as well if there's a particular right. brand of rum or whatever that, that you like more than others. Gotcha. So I got my traditional rum and Coke. 
Um, I came up with this, uh, and maybe some other people out there have tried it. I, I came up with this by accident. But now I love uh, rum chata with a splash of Hennessy. Okay. Uh, it just, I mean, I, and I say when I say I came up with it by accident, we had a bottle of Hennessy left over from a party that my father-in-law bought. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't really drink Hennessy. He was like, man, if you don't finish that Hennessy. So one night I poured it, some, poured some, and I was like, oh, how do people drink this straight? And so there was like a little bit left, and I just topped it with the rum chata, and it was excellent. And so wow, now okay. that's a nice little drink. So you put that just I like. a little floater little, in your rum yeah, chata. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's All nice. Right. Um, of course, the classic rum punch. Um, now I do like a whiskey sour. Okay. Um, I do like the. Have you ever had a, pe- a peach mint bourbon sweet tea? No, I have. I not. had one. We had one up in uh, Gatlin. I had it up in Gatlinburg. Okay. Uh, really nice. Um, uh, a mojito with dark with dark rum. Okay. Uh, a wow, mo- I've never had that. Really? Yes. You've had the mo- mo- oh, I've, mojito. Oh, I, I love mojitos. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've I, made, I, we've made some listen, sometimes with the dark rum. Go go to go to um, uh, La Fonda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down yeah, there yeah, in yeah, Buckhead. Yeah, yeah. And get the fish tacos and get the pitcher of mojitos, yeah. and you'll have a good time. Oh yeah. The one on Chastain or right by Chastain Park, the amphitheater and all uh-huh. that. It's on uh, it's on Roswell Road, but yeah, because it's it's Fellini, Fellini's on Fellini one side, on and Lafonda's on the other. Yep. But go to Lafonda, get the fish tacos, yep. get a pitcher of mojitos, and you won't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, plenty of mint, <laughs> plenty of mint in a mojito. By the way, all right. Uh, classic Mai Tai. I love a Mai Tai. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bahama Mama. Out, you know, on vacations, I like drinking those. And then a hurricane. That is uh that is the. Uh, I've a, got I've got a good story about um, hurricane. Yeah, <laughs> about in Nashville. Um, when I when I went to when I went to Nashville, um, being at the college bars in Nashville. Um, I want to go. I want to go to Nashville. Nashville's yeah. great. Yeah, I want to go to. Nashville. I, I did not. We did not get a chance to go. Like I want to go to the Grand Ole Opry and do the right. whole thing, uh, and and really get in the country music scene and all that. Right. But we did not do that. We were we were up there for a Tennessee. Uh, Wyoming game. Okay. University of Tennessee played Wyoming at at that time. It was the name of the, uh, the. It's the cable company that went bankrupt that was sponsoring the stadium, like Adelphia or something like okay. that. Um, but we went and saw Tennessee and Wyoming. Uh, long story, but but anyway, it was that was a great time. That was that was a really nice. good time, and nice. we were pounded hurricane, pounding hurricane. <laughs> so, all right, um, I went more. Just kind of straight brands, brands okay? okay. But let me let me say the one drink that I really do enjoy is, and and I don't I, my favorite is when it's made with Maker's Mark. But mm-hmm. I love a good Manhattan. Okay. I love the bitters. Right. And the man, you know, again, it can be made with just about any alcohol. Right. But I I really like a Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, just the bitters and the taste and everything. Like right. I, I really enjoy that drink. So, um. I was an ambassador at one time okay. for Maker's Mark, and oh. I had my name on a barrel. I had an, I had my name branded on a barrel. Nice. I got paid for it, but this was this was 25 years ago. Nice. Um, but nice. I had my name branded on a barrel, and they sent me the picture and all that kind of stuff. This is when the internet was first starting. Right. Like literally when the internet <laughs> was first starting, that they sent me an email with a picture of it, and I had business cards that said I was a Maker's Mark ambassador. Nice. Um. I, I do like Jim Beam. Um, I, I usually I for Jim Beam I gotta combine it with something. Okay. You know, Coke or something like that. Right. You know, uh, Jim and Coke or whatever. But um, 
Johnny Walker Blue Johnny Label. Johnny Walker, okay. Now, the Blue Label. Right. Now, we were in Las Vegas at the Paris Hotel, and Johnny Walker Blue for a, I think it was a four-ounce, four, four basically like a shot. Right. Okay, four ounces was $125 wow. for like a four-ounce shot. Wow. $125 a piece. Blue Label. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the expensive one. That's the one that's hard to find, the blue label. So the bottle is probably what? Uh, the bottle probably retailed as like five, six. Yeah. Um, but shots were like just for it. And it wasn't in a shot glass, you know, a a like a. Uh, like they put it in a regular yeah, like a scotch just, glass. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, but they were 125 a piece. And that was back in the early 2000s. Wow. That, actually, that was 2001 because we were out in Vegas for the big smoke uh-huh. in 2001. Literally. A month after 9/11, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but we were out, we were in the Paris Hotel, wow. and we were drinking, and and our our buddy of ours was like, "Let's get some Johnny Walker Blue." And it was 125 dollars a glass wow. or a shot, you know. So yeah, it's good stuff. Um, by the way, my two runners up. You ever heard? You ever had Kraken rum? No. Okay, Kraken is a dark rum. I like Kraken rum. Okay, and. Appleton's uh, rum. You ever had Appleton's? Appleton's Appleton's a really good uh, rum out there. Um, And listen, Captain Morgan's dark rum. I mean, I like I like the dark rums myself. Right. So when it comes to rum, I like dark rum. Um, Is this is this considered brown liquor? Southern Comfort. I mean, yeah. It's a dark liquor. It's dark, right. Right. Yeah, so. I mean, it's a peach-based liquor that's right. made in New Orleans is where is where they make uh, yeah. that. Um, I love, love Southern Comfort. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan. I, and just, I don't need to do all the cranberry and all that stuff. Just give me a Southern Comfort on that's the rocks. Nice. Straight yeah. up. I yep. love so And I also like the 100-proof one because uh, that'll get you, you know, going yeah, get uh, you pretty right. quickly. Yeah. Um, the Crown Royal Master Series. Not just the regular Crown Royals and stuff like that. But they're but they're kind of higher end right. stuff. I really like their master series. Um, a lot of these are going to be the same that that finishes off my list. I, I'm the biggest John Daniels fan in the world. Like I, I am all about when I go out to a bar, it's a John Daniels on the rocks and a Coors Light. Like okay. that's my drink of, right. of choice. So uh, and a John Daniels. Okay. So um, I've been to the uh, factory uh, in uh, Lynchburg, Tennessee. One of the most amazing places on earth. Right. It's a real slice of Americana. Also, too, the J, uh, John, uh, John Daniels single barrel. Okay. Uh, and I have a bottle of that at home. Nice. Uh, I've got their single barrel. It is phenomenal. Their single barrel is so rich and smooth. It's just phenomenal to drink. I can drink, I can get lost in shots of that. And then the final one, and I'll tell you who turned me on to this. So, Uncle Nearest. Uncle Nearest, yeah. Now, obviously, that is the guy who helped. Create yep. uh, the John Daniels yep. brand and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know who turned me on to that? Who? Was Steve Ewing oh, of, okay. of, from yeah. Wade Ford. Wade Ford yeah. So he's the president and CEO of Wade Ford. He brought a bottle of Uncle Nearest, and not the smaller one. Right. I mean the big one right. for Hugh Douglas and I doing the Wade Ford tailgate show. He brought us a bottle of Uncle Nearest, and I I wasn't familiar with this. This was a couple years ago. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with it, and I never had it. Wow. Yeah. Like, my bottle was empty, but I, just because it's my first bottle of it, I, I decided to keep it. Yeah. And I've got, well, I can't, again, that's another podcast story. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a good story from 
Oh, from about a year or so ago. Okay. That, that involves me drinking Uncle Nearest and all that. <laughs> um, again, that's for a podcast or whatever. All right. When we come back, Lauren Williams, beat writer for the Atlanta Hawks for the Atlanta Journal. She joined us earlier in the show. What she had to say as we get ready for our NBA draft coming up a week from tomorrow. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92 on the game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia studios on this Wednesday evening with you. Well, we are a week and a day away as uh, the NBA draft will take place coming up next Thursday. We'll have uh, coverage from State Farm Arena. It will be Caleb Johnson, our Hawks reporter for 92.9, the game. Sparty, my guy Deshaun Tate, and myself, we will be at State Farm Arena covering uh, all things uh, Atlanta Hawks draft. We head out to the WadeFord.com hotline right now. We talk to our friend of the show, Lauren Williams, is the Hawks beat reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of her work, and she's on Twitter, at WilliamsLaurenL. Lauren, as always, appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes here on the show tonight. Of course, JC. Always a pleasure. So what did you think about the coaching staff that uh, Quinn Snyder put together? Very eclectic group. I thought it was a very interesting group, and – certainly kind of, you know, features analytical people and things like that. I mean, I thought it was a very interesting coaching staff that he's put together overall. Absolutely. I think you can see that he was looking to kind of have a very diverse group of people in all facets of the word. And I think he values having so many different perspectives. And I think the fact that he's kind of embraced taking on some guys and women who are kind of on the younger end speaks to how much, they want to develop this team. You have a guy like Mike Bray, who is not one of the youngsters, but he has coached a lot of youngsters, um, you know, a, a long, a former long-tenured coach at Notre Dame. So it's definitely an eclectic group, a very diverse group. And when I talked to him today to kind of get a sense of what he was looking for, he said that he just wanted a bunch of guys and women who, who were selfless and they wanted them to kind of emulate what they were asking the team to be. Lauren, are there any trends that we're picking up on with the players that have been brought in for pre-draft workouts and things like that? You know, the funny thing about A.J. Griffin last year is they didn't even interview him. Like, he was not brought Mm -hmm. in for a workout, and they didn't even interview A.J. Griffin Mm -hmm. last year. So do we get a sense that maybe there's some smoke screens that are being put up? Or, you know, what do you think about the trends are with the people that they've brought in for workouts? Yeah, they've definitely brought in a lot of wings, a lot of guards, um, not a lot of big men, especially considering, you know, it, it seems like they're still pretty happy with Clint Capella and Onyeka Okongwu. Um, I would have loved to have seen uh, a few more big men in that group, especially if we're to believe the rumors that are going to start coming out that, you know, they'll potentially move on from John Collins just because it's 
you know, a yearly thing at this point. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the fact that they brought in a lot of wings just kind of tells you that they're potentially looking for a lot of guys who can kind of fill that role. Um, they're looking for a lot more shooting, especially because for much of the season last year, they didn't have a ton of that with Bogey kind of on that injured list um, there with that uh, knee surgery, recovering from knee surgery, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I think they're looking to bring in a lot more shooting. That's something that Quinn Snyder has always uh, valued. When he came in last season, he said one of the things that he tried to build as one of this team's habits is just getting better spacing. And so I think if they're looking at a lot of these guys who can space the floor, that tells me that Quinn is looking for a system that's going to include a lot of shooting. Lauren, do we anticipate the idea that the person drafted at 15 probably mostly ends up in College Park because you don't really have many open roster spots. And obviously, you know, again, you're developing the Jalen Johnsons and the A.J. Griffins that, you know, are going to need more significant playing time. Do we anticipate the person who's picked at 15 probably ends up in College Park? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up in College Park, but I also want to see them take a guy who who could fight for a roster spot, who could be competitive in minicamp and potentially um, make them think harder about things. Of course, you're still developing, as you said, guys like Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin. But honestly, in the rotation, I think Jalen Johnson is, is pretty much in there, especially if they do decide to move on from John Collins. It's, it's his spot to lose, in my opinion. So um, as far as A.J., I think it's going to be a lot more competitive for him just because you're always going to have bogey ahead of him, a guy like Sadiq Bey, DeAndre Hunter, all of those guys that are kind of ahead of the, him in the lineup. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know they do end up looking at a guy who's more of a project and, and they look to develop him long term. Lauren Williams is the Hawks beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. How more than what they do, um, mm-hmm. whether whether they trade players, you know, whether they look at some free agent signings, whatever it is, how swiftly though do you think that the Hawks get something going? Because again, you know, I was just talking about in the last segment that you know, I think we all agree that there has to be some kind of shakeup. Like this group yeah. as a whole, while they're talented, there yeah. there's something missing. There's a chromosome that is missing in all of this. Do you think the Hawks get very swift in the moves that they make, or do they kind of sit back and watch the landscape of some of the other things that unfold? I wouldn't be surprised if they they try to sit back a little bit just because they do have to take in the assets that they have, and they do have to weigh every option when it comes to um, the pieces that they can potentially part with. I think they have a lot to think about just in terms of with John. They do have to realize that they likely won't get back um, what his salary may necessarily command. They might have to give up a lot of things in order to move on from that. But I think the big payoff with that is that you're able to dump a large part of what is pushing you toward that luxury tax there. So um, I, I think they have a lot of things to think about. I think they have a lot of options to weigh as far as what it is they think is that X factor as well that they need to move on from. So uh, I, I, I anticipate them being a little bit more uh touch and go or, or see as it comes as opposed to being aggressive um, come draft night or in the days leading up to up to the draft. And, and you and I have talked about this several times, but I mean, isn't that the question? I mean, mm-hmm. look, are, are they going to be a luxury tax team? Because they're, they're 9 million in the luxury tax right now. 
And yep. I don't and I don't know how you get better at this point without dipping your toe and and look, mm-hmm. you may not go neck deep in it, but you're nine million dollars in the luxury tax, even if you just bring everybody back. If you're not going to get into the luxury tax, I don't know how we become better. I don't know how we sign good players or trade for good players. Because, again, mm-hmm. you can't – the way the NBA works, you can't just trade a really good player for just fish heads and rice and, and get that back. So, you know, again, isn't that – doesn't everything – I hate to say it this way, but doesn't everything revolve around are we going to be a luxury tax team? I think so. I think that's the big question right now just because, as you said, you're going to have to spend money to bring in quality talent. And I think one of the big things that the Hawks is missing is kind of that veteran voice in the locker room. You'd love for it to be a guy like Bogey or, or Clint, but we saw last year it just that's just not what their role was. And so in order for them to do that, they're going to have to spend money. And, and that means that they will, as you said, have to dip their toe into the luxury tax. So I'm definitely agreeing with you on that one there. So, you know, again, and, and I don't I don't think that there's anything to this, but, you know, there's been a lot of people that have brought up the idea of DeJounte Murray, you know, being traded. And, and I asked mm-hmm. this question about the idea of, and I, and I talked about this a while back on my show, just if you're going to trade Murray, is it better that you trade him sooner than later? Because, again, if you can't get a contract worked out, um, obviously then you have to figure out what you're going to do based upon – things you've given up, you know, as far as draft yeah. capital-wise. And, and obviously if it's, you know, if if it's not working and you got to move on from him, but do you think that there's any fire to the smoke of the idea of moving on from DeJounte Murray if the right package comes along? Um, I, I, I think you can never say never. If it's the right package, you have to, you have to do it right. Regardless right. of how much you value. That, that's true for any player. Yeah. That, that's, that's true for true any for player. Any yep. player. Um, so if it's the right deal, you have to take it, but it's hard for me to see them ready to move on from him so soon. I really do think Quinn Snyder and and the rest of that coaching staff want to build out and see what both Trey Young and DeJounte Murray can do and try to turn it into the tandem that people imagine that pick your poison type of offense. Um, I think, you know, bringing aboard somebody like Igor Kokoshkov, who you've seen work as a head coach, he was in Phoenix. Um, you know, again, Mike Bray, Brittany Donaldson, she worked with point guards in Detroit. Um, I think bringing some of those coaches aboard will, you know, potentially help them develop this team, that backcourt tandem into what I think they want them to be. But as far as Murray, I think he's kind of one of those trade deadline ideal candidates in the sense that he's on an expiring contract. So, a team that's looking to make their push into the playoffs might want to take a gamble on him at that point. So I, I would say it would probably be better to wait if if they decide that it, they want to move on from him, especially if they can't get a deal done. I, I want to put your prognosticator hat on and uh, yeah. you know get your idea of, do you think that they offer Murray a contract over the summertime? Have you heard anything about He's kind of adamant about becoming a free agent because he could, I mean, even though he can't get the extra year with a club, but mm-hmm. he could probably come out with the new CBA the way it's worded. He could probably come out better if he becomes a free agent and, and gets a deal. Have you heard anything about the idea of they're going to offer him a contract or they're going to, you know, he's going to walk into free agency? I mean, what, what do you think the is for the, for the next year here? 
To be honest, I haven't heard a lot about um, where they are in terms of talking to him about deals or anything like that. But I, I can only go off what we've heard him say, and he's excited to try and work this thing out with Trey Young and try to get something going. I, I do think the the season, when you think about it, was a little bit short for them to try and work. There was just so much, and I, I think they need a little bit more of a figuring out period. So I, I'm just going to go off that to us in the public, and, and that's that he wants to try and get this thing going and make it work. So, Lauren, the other thing is, you know, and this will forever, and, and whether it's fair or unfair, it's the perception is that when Trey Young made the statement a couple years ago that, well, we don't really care about the regular season, it's all about the playoffs and this, that, and the other, fair or unfair, that that ring is going to hang around the neck of Trey Young because they have played so poor the regular season. Is the mm-hmm. idea of Quinn Snyder getting this team off to a fast start, getting them off to a good regular season? Because, again, the reason we have kind of put ourselves in the position that we have the last couple of years, even though mm-hmm. we played Boston well. and But, again, because we didn't take care of our business in the regular season, we were kind of forced into some of these things about having mm-hmm. to beat the Heat and, mm-hmm. and then go up against Boston. How important is this regular season going to be for this club and Quinn Snyder? I definitely think it's going to be important for them to get off on the right foot. Just as you said, it's, we've seen them just not perform to the standard that we know that they're capable of. They've underperformed, in fact, in the last two regular seasons. So I think Quinn is going to want to come out and get them um, going on the right foot and you know, hopefully turn things around in a way that they can do the playoffs in a better positioning than having to fight their way in. What is the role of Nick Ressler as you know it right now? I mean, forget what we've heard and think. What do you think his role is right now as we're into the offseason with this organization? I, I'll just say I, I do think he has a voice, and I, I do think his opinion matters. It's, it's I think, naive to think that it doesn't, <laughs> um, considering you know what his last name is. But I do think they have a lot of voices in that room, so it'll be interesting to see how how low, how loud, excuse me, uh, Landry Fields and Kyle Korver's voices are when they're making that final pick. Lauren Williams, she is the beat reporter for the Atlanta Hawks for the Atlanta Journal Institution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of her work, and it's always a collaborative and communicative discussion with Lauren. So we we made sure we get those if words uh, in there. Uh, Lauren's on <laughs> Lauren's on Twitter at Williams Lauren L. Lauren is always appreciated. Thanks for a few minutes of tonight. We will soon. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. You got it. Duckery in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 929 the game, the Odyssey.com app.